Anyanga Seo, welcome to Afternoon of Delight, where Leah, Megan, and Amy, three American romance novelists discussing all things K-romance from a writer's lens. We fangirl over our favorite actors and actresses, talk up our trope addictions, and nerd out on K-drama deep dives. We'll throw in a few K-pop and K-skincare wrecks for good measure, because why not ride the hell you wave all the way to shore? So grab some duck pokey and listen to your new favorite honeys. Hey, everybody. Hi there. Hello. We just need to do a quick uh, proof of life. I guess we just got it from <laughs> Megan because we had to do a take two on recording the intro because halfway through, I just heard like coughing and then I like choked. <laughs> yeah, then it turned to choking. And when we, I got back to, because we can see each other when we're recording, but I was like clicked out looking at the script. And so when I clicked back, Megan's chair was just empty. <laughs> and I thought maybe if we're moved to heaven, like we had moved to heaven. I felt like I'm, I was like discreetly trying to drink water and then it went down the wrong pipe in the middle of Leah's reading. And I was just, yeah, like I, I died. Anyway. <laughs> My voice. For anyone listening, you had to be there. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really sorry, but I am okay. I'm <laughs> okay. No more water. And I was on. I was because I just like to read along. I was reading along the script with Leah, so I wasn't on the the view screen either. So we came back, and I just saw you just muting and like just bouncing all over the place. <laughs> so bad i did maybe uh, we need to get like neil's number on our phones so that like in case there is like a sudden accident we can contact someone in your household to let them know you're not okay because apparently i can't <laughs> even drink properly We're okay. so um yeah happy back to school everyone i think so we all have kiddos and everyone's back to school and we do have amy back at actual school yeah educator yeah oh my goodness it has been a week, so I've been back two whole days, and these two whole days feel like two whole years. Um, I think I've mentioned it before on the pod, but if, if I haven't, I was, up until this lovely pandemic hit, I was a high school librarian, and I teach in a K-12 through district, and when the pandemic hit, because of logistic, logistical reasons, I ended up subbing at an elementary school in our district for the past year when we were in like weird remote and then hybrid or whatever. And I loved the kiddos at the elementary school who knew after 19 years in secondary education, I loved the kiddos at the elementary school so much. And I loved the principal and assistant principal. They asked me to stay instead of going back to the high school and I accepted. Fast forward to this school year where we're still under some interesting COVID restrictions. We're still doing three feet of social distancing. We're still wearing masks at my school, but we're doing everything else pretty much 100% normal. And I've never experienced the normal schedule before. And the normal schedule leaves me about 30 minutes of a break in my entire day. And the past few days have been a lot with my two kids going back to school too. And I was telling Leah and Megan uh, that I came home today and just kind of cried from stress. And I've talked about it on the pod before. I am not a public crier. So I was lucky that neither of my kids were home. <laughs> yet. And I kind of just walked upstairs, dropped my bags on the floor and just started bawling and got it all out. I have not watched anything K-drama related in about two weeks because of school prep and a writing deadline that I'm on. And I had about an hour to myself before we did the pod today. And I was like, you know what? It's coming up on our list. I'm going to watch the first half of Midnight Runners, the movie with Park Seo-joon and Kang Hanul, where they are uh, police academy BFFs. And I texted Leah and Megan about 20 minutes in, just about 
the renewed joy that I felt that I wanted to cry from joy just from watching these two on screen for not even a half an hour and remembering just how much happiness all things K-drama, K-movie bring to me and two of my favorite, you know, male leads, Park Seo-joon and Kang Han-ul together and getting to see Kang Han-ul after being the police officer that he was in Camellia and then seeing him be just a total dick in like the first 20 minutes of (laughs) Midnight Runners was the most enjoyable thing I think I've ever seen because Park Seo-joon is very much like his character in um, Fight for My Way. I would say, but in the police academy. And so seeing that kind of character, like a dong man kind of guy who just like smiles and loves everybody. And like Kang Hanul just like rubbing the finger, like up and down his nose at him. And it was just (laughs) like total joy. So anyway, the reason why we're here, the reason why we ended up doing this, Hey, we should do a podcast kind of jokingly. And then came to this is because of the sheer utter and sheer joy that it brings us. And I was just kind of reminded of that after a really hard couple of days and a really long couple of weeks where I haven't been able to watch anything K-drama related. So I'm I'm very refreshed right now. <laughs> that makes me so happy. Yeah, I'm so happy that that happened. And I feel like we've been having an uptick of listener emails coming in too, where folks are kind of saying the same thing. Like it's been a tough time. And it's always funny to me when somebody's like, look, I'm sorry I'm writing, but like, I just have no one else to talk to K-drama, like say something about K-drama too. And we're like, don't ever, ever apologize. This is exactly why we are doing this because we want to give everyone kind of what we have, which is an outlet to like come and talk about, this (laughs) and like feel some happiness and it's like the the collective joy of it all too right like it's not just sitting down and you know grinning from ear to ear at uh park sojourn trying to teach kang hanul how to smile not showing all his teeth (laughs) because his mouth is so big and we like i love that they bring that into into the movie but it is being able to talk to you too about it and to talk to all of you listening about it and then to get your reactions to it as well and, and see people having the same reactions and the same goes, you know, for email and social media and all that. Like the reason why we give you our email and our Instagram and everything every episode is because we want to hear from you and we want to interact with you because it brings us even more joy to sort of envelop all of you into the fold with us and do this together. Yeah, and it's been yeah. really rewarding to see, you know, we've gotten tagged on uh, Twitter a few times over the last um, few weeks. Even today, someone just said, someone just tagged us because they learned that When the Camellia Blooms was written by a man through our podcast. And I love that she tagged us. You know, that we have gotten a lot of emails that say, like, I, I just don't have anyone else. To t- I don't have anyone else to talk to about K-dramas. And yeah, that's what we're here for. We don't either. It's just the three of us. Like, just you know. Yeah. yeah no, I'm still, thank you. Because that is like that is it. Is we don't either. And so we truly do love to talk about it with, you know, all of you. And also let's just be honest. Like wherever you are listening in the world right now, like COVID is just sucking ass again. And, you know, there's lots of news that's just not super joyful and look there's important things that we need to pay attention to and you know there's times for being serious but we just can't be in that space all the time and that's really why I am like such a fan of 
commercial fiction in particular, you know, the romance genre. And then also, you know, now this like newfound love of K-drama is we all deserve to be able, this is like our secret weapon to, like Amy said, to like fill our buckets back up so we can deal with all the other shit that's going on. Oh my gosh, hundred percent. I always know if I'm having a really bad day that I just want to shut myself in my bedroom and uh, watch some K dramas, and I know it's going to put me in a good mood. Like I'm going to fall asleep happy because I watched something that in some way fulfilled me. So uh, we hope you feel the same way, and that you just continue to share with us. Again, email us, tweet us, post on or comment on Instagram. We want to hear it. And we're always here to listen to you talk about K-dramas, trust me. <laughs> and sometimes we talk back a little bit too much. The other day, yesterday I was talking to someone and I got really into it. And they're like, well, I have to go back to work. And I was like, oh yeah, okay, well, yeah. see ya. <laughs> but that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Because if Leah doesn't have us, if Leah can't find one of us during the day, she's going to keep talking to you. So be careful. It's true. I've signed into our Instagram sometimes and I check the messages and no like Leah has just written someone like five paragraphs of that. It's amazing. I'm a really, really fast no, texter. It's you are a fast texter, but it's really amazing. Oh my God, I'm blushing right it's now. Just, it's really sweet. So just, you know, to, especially if you get Leah in her prime, <laughs> she will write you back. Trust me, a lot. Yeah, you'll hear from me. Um, but yeah, as we're talking about like the joy and delight and happiness that uh, K-drama brings, we're now going to talk about this really uplifting <laughs> and happy drama. Oh, move to move heaven. <laughs> You know what though? There are there there is a lot of uplifting and happy stuff commingled with ten episodes of death. So yeah. So there's 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 a good there's a good balance. Yeah, but no, it's but for true. sure this is one of the heavier dramas that we've watched. Yeah. Uh so as we said, we're gonna be discussing Move to Heaven, uh, which is a Netflix drama that just came out this year. And it deals with death, grief, and family bonds. So this is a drama that puts you through the ringer emotionally, to say the least. Uh, and we do want to first give a content warning that we really can't talk about this drama without talking about death in all its forms, which includes murder and suicide. So if that's not for you, then this episode and this drama uh, might be one for you to skip. And we understand, but we just wanted to give a heads up so no one is surprised about uh, the content coming up. With that said, let's get into it. According to a 2016 article from the Korea Herald, recent statistics have shown that more Koreans are living alone. From 2010 to 2015, the proportion of single-person households increased significantly from 15.8% to 27.1%. Suicide has become the fourth most common cause of death here, with up to 40 people taking their own lives every day. In 2011, an ex-barbecue restaurant owner, Kil Hae-young, started a trauma cleaning service called Sweepers, which is also the subject of Move to Heaven. It's about a company of trauma cleaners. So as a trauma cleaner, he cleans up spaces after unattended deaths, murders, and suicides. In a 2018 interview with the Korea Times, he said he saw it as a niche business with room for growth, which would make for a profitable business. After years on the job, he has seen a whole lot. What strikes him the most is not a mess or grisly scene left by the dead, but the moments when he witnesses how broken and fragmented families are. This has changed his perspective into what he calls a realistic view. Quote, rather than spending your life having families, family and raising children, I'd recommend you appreciate and invest your given time for yourself, he said. 
Another quote from the article, for your information, having some money in your hands is a smart way to prepare for death, he added, cynically recalling a son who had refused to collect his father's body, but came right after he was told a bank book was found. His experience seems echoed in Move to Heaven, as we often see the lead characters as trauma cleaners navigate fractured families and missed opportunities to bring some sort of closure in death. I just have to, a little sort of, not really a non sequitur, but this this will come up in, a, I think, an upcoming episode. I think we need to add, we're going to do an episode coming up about, you know, question, I have questions about things that happen in K-dramas, K and I want to add bank books to it, because... Yeah. Nobody I had a bank book around here. I mean, maybe Leah does because Leah carries everything in her little tiny card holder. No, 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 no. I was a bank book is like what my grandma had, <laughs> right? Like bank books, bank books are in and like a bank book for like it looks like like every month. Like you, you, you know, you see people who have like a stack of bank books, and I just I don't get the bank book thing. Me either. And they act like if they don't have the bank book, they don't have the money yeah, it's all over and, right right so i'm kind of confused why it's not like electronic or what the situation is if anyone knows please do email us at afternoon delight podcast at gmail.com otherwise maybe that's a great addition to the um i have questions podcast that's coming up yeah for sure let's start with something light because we are about to get really heavy on this episode what made cho sangu played by lee jae-hoon the hottest his mullet his biceps his sneer or something else or all of it. Here's something interesting. This drama was written by Yoon Ji Ryong. So they are apparently 49 years old, but this is only the fourth drama listed to their credit in their filmography. I looked them up because I was curious, and you know what the first is? Boys Over Flowers, the 2009 Lee Min Ho version. So then obviously I went into a rabbit hole with her. And don't worry, I'm going to connect it back to Choi Sangu. Just give me a second. So here's what the screenwriter said was part of her inspiration for the move to have him plot in a recent interview. I think I was always more curious about death than others. And there was a time when I was so swept up in the sadness and mourning after the sudden death of a loved one, I was deliberating on whether or not I should continue writing. And that is when I looked up books written by those who had lost someone they loved and how they healed. So the reason I bring this up is that, you know, once I found out that the writer was the same person who wrote Boys Over Flowers, the 2009 like remake, is I really felt like at that point I could see how she leaned into the uncle Cho Sangu's character in a similar way that she did with um, Lee Min Ho's character in his role of Jun Pyo. Now Jun Pyo is a poor little rich boy with emotional boo-boos and Sangu is just a literal poor boy with emotional boo-boos. But I feel like they both present to the world with this very toxic, hyper-masculine image. And they both have that, like, F the world sneer because it's safer to reject everyone and everything. Um, because otherwise, like, what's the alternative? To, like, wait for it to reject you the same way that their parents did? Like, no. So this is a protective shell for them. And look, I'm trash for a bad boy who is on a journey to becoming a good man. And I've said it before, and I'm going to say it many, many times again during these podcasts. In real life, look, I'd give Sangu a hug, some phone numbers to good therapists, and I'd get the hell out. But in K-drama life, like, batter me up, pop me in the deep chicken fryer, y'all, because, like, I'm here to, like, swoon all over it. <laughs> um, I love that you found those facts. I I'm fascinated that's the same screenwriter. 
when I read that today, I was like, no way. Um, Cause that does make a lot of sense. I'm also a sucker for a bad boy with emotional boo-boos. Although man, Sangu had like an 18 wheeler level baggage and emotional immaturity to boot. Uh, his journey was great though. And I felt like he had just enough re- relatability to draw me in. I really felt like the whole drama uh, he was sort of our point of view character, even when scenes were in another point of view. Uh, Sangu always seemed to be kind of the viewer's touchstone, in, in from my perspective. Um, a hot touchstone with a bullet and amazing biceps and like 0% body fat. I don't know how that's possible, but that man, oh my gosh, jacked. So I think all three of us do our fair share of research when we're, you know, going through our script for K-dramas, but I've got a like hats off to Leah for finding stuff that just is so enlightening. Like when we found out that Camellia was written by a guy and now finding out that Mm -hmm. the screenwriter for this also wrote boys over flowers. Like I am, this thrills me to no end. As I already mentioned, I've been like neck deep in back to school stress. And for some reason, this makes me love Sangu even more because now he has a connection to Junpyo. And I really do also have a thing for the guy with the emotional boo-boos who only knows how to hurt first so he can avoid getting hurt, but then learns to accept and give love. So despite the mullet and F.U. attitude and what a total and complete slob Sangu was because, oh my gosh, such a slob. Picking his nose and wiping it on his shirt. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So, so gross. But like. Lee Jae-hoon hit all the right notes with how he played him, which let the viewers see through the facade to the gooey center underneath. So true. You could see basically what he wanted to become. And also maybe the man he would have become if, as a child, he wasn't abandoned. Yeah, without growing up in like a heavily abusive household. Right. If he were an underground fighter... (laughs) (laughs) because this is the non-spoiler section, but there is some underground fighting in this. Um, What pants would you choose to fight in and why would it not be ripped skinny jeans? (laughs) Megan. (laughs) Look, and here's how you know that Megan wrote the script. I (laughs) I needed to talk about this. So Sangu, this isn't a spoiler because I think you find this out pretty quickly. Um, That Sangu is kind of like in like a like a boxer okay whatever but they show him fighting and he's wearing these like ripped skinny jeans and they even show him doing these like aerial (laughs) kicks and i'm like how how why like what wardrobe is like i know we're gonna put him in stonewashed denim (laughs) to fight in a cage that's perfect um so i just you know I don't know. I, I just, I would choose bike shorts. That's all. That's all <laughs> yeah. Okay. So definitely you're like giving like the costume crew, like a wag of the finger and you're like, yeah, clearly put him in some spandex bike. <laughs> and if you saw him in bike shorts. No, I'm saying, no. I'm saying no. I would wear bike shorts. The question was, what would I choose? And I'm saying, I would choose to fight in bike shorts. If I'm going to I'm dress just... Sangu, I want him in those little shiny short shorts. Oh my god, oh my what? God. <laughs> no. I am so glad you don't have a job dressing folks in K-drama. <laughs> I'm just going to put out there that I have some skinny jeans that are very stretchy. And mm, I same. could probably do... A, I could probably... Like the jeans that I'm thinking of, I could probably pull off a good... Okay, well, his looked constricting. That's, I'm just, that's my hill to die on. Yeah, I would give him some jeggings. <laughs> yeah, some jeggings. There you go. 
So was this drama too after school special for you at times or did you enjoy the life lessons? Okay, so I want a pearl clutch at the after school special statement. (laughs) (laughs) Because to me, I thought Move to Heaven was just all beautiful and horrible and I liked it. But look, I'm maybe I'm just a simple person who likes simple things. My formative years were in the early 90s and they still did after school specials then. All right. (laughs) So the heart wants what it wants. But really, I'm personally a big fan of the emotional tone it struck. I'm glad it didn't try to be a thriller. I'm glad it didn't try to be too romantic or funny or quirky. I really felt like it was a drama that wore its heart on its sleeve. And look, we're all going to be one of these people someday. Like we're all going to like die Mm -hmm. and i don't think it's a bad thing to take a minute and reflect on the present take some stock think about like if this happens for me today what baggage do i carry what things have i not told people who need to hear it and you know frankly have i raised my children well enough that they are not going to force working class people to wash my decaying bodily fluids off some hundred dollar bills sorry (laughs) about i'm trying to leave that as a vague it's okay it's it's (laughs) It really stuck you know, with me. Oh, I think it. Any anyone who's seen this drama, I mean, I can't get that scene out of my head, honestly. And I do, I do agree with what you said. I, I think my my issue was around like episode four. I guess I started to feel like the lessons were maybe were a bit heavy handed and like maybe simple, like especially the the first death. I guess. Um, I, I mean, a lot of the lessons was like just don't put your employees in dangerous situations and i'm like oh my god yeah no. oh my <laughs> god the first death was oh I, i'm not even gonna get into the spoilers i'm just i okay. disagree for the record i'm gonna hit my disagree. hand i disagree <laughs> okay well i mean it wasn't that wasn't the only lesson but i felt like some of those just felt i don't know they just felt a little a little simple that i'm sorry and and that's okay to like have like i don't know um <laughs> the drama could have just been gearing us up for what was to come and like taking it easy on us in the beginning. Um, Cause as the drama went on, the storylines became a little deeper and more complex. And I felt more like I was on a journey with the characters and not like watching them on Sesame street. Oh my God. These are fighting words. The first one, <laughs> look, uh, I'm just saving it for the spoiler section. I'm not okay. giving it away, but you can totally. Cause I'm going to, I'm going to defend, I'm going to defend you a little bit here, Leah. Cause in my response, cause I'm the one who came up with the after school well, special part of it, but I not- will say though, that's the term I like, I was trying to think of the right term. And when you said it, I was like, yeah, that's what I was trying to think of. So yeah. So right. Like, like Megan was saying, it seems like very much like teachy and like a little heavy handed. I'm like, like an after school special. So I'll own up to that, but here's my, here's my thought process of it and why I went there. And I loved the drama as a whole, but it took me a while to connect because for the first half of the episodes, I felt like the drama focused heavily on the people in the vignettes rather than the main leads. And don't get me wrong, I liked the vignettes. I did, but when they weren't all when they weren't well connected to the frame story of the main lead main leads, they came off to me as a bit more didactic, aka after school special. Once it all started to weave together, that's when my emotions kicked into high gear and I was a sobbing, snotty mess until the end. So when I think of the after school special aspect of it, it was this sort of like 
disconnected story that was like, here's the lesson here and here's the lesson here. And I didn't think the lessons were simple and, you know, without depth. I just wanted more of a connection to the main leads because their story was what was going to carry the whole thing through. And in the beginning, it was more just like, hey, we're moved to heaven. But now here's the story of these people here. Hey, we're moved to heaven. Here's the next people. I and just, it t- I disagree. I'm holding the conch. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, but I, I just to me that was that was what drew me into the drama. And it was it 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 was the it was the main characters. It was Sangu and it was Guru. And that's who I was really interested in is their relationship and how this unconventional job that they were doing was going to connect them and it, which it did. And, and it brought back, you know, it brought the past into the present. And I loved all of that. And I just wanted a better mix of it. So that's where it was for me. And in the end, I loved it and it did connect with me, but it took me a while to get there. Yeah. I mean, I love, like, don't get me wrong. I loved it. It did, but it did take me a while. Like I would say around episode five, I was like, this isn't working for me. And then Leah and, or Amy was like, you need to, I promise it's going to kick in. And then it did because I thought the back end of the drama was then more heavy on the main lead characterization. Um, I think Leah, I feel like Leah's taking notes right now. Of like I, I, I'm not. I'm fiercely drawing angry doodles on a piece of paper. <laughs> yeah, she is <laughs> angry doodles. Um, yeah, I know, I know, and I think this is also where like Leah and I do actually have pretty different tastes sometimes in dramas. Um, so. But like I said, I loved it. I, I don't get me wrong. I just, I, I, I mean, that was totally a leading question that I put in. <laughs> So what I, I'm not going to ham fist this for too long and I don't want to get into, we're in the non-spoiler section, but I think what I want to make the point is, is I'm thinking about this, like as a writer, how are you going to set up a drama like this? And I have to say that for me, I thought that the opening, um, the first death and the first episode, because every episode, I think, you know, that's not a spoiler to say every episode deals with um, a client's death, essentially. And I felt like, I actually thought that it was a fairly good first death to kind of like intersect with. Um, And there was a few, like there were a few kind of cliches that I think did happen around the death, but overall, like I thought there was like some, I thought it was incredibly humanizing. And so I thought right away in the first episode, um, you know, we got to really see a death that I felt like was, you know, it didn't like scar me, but I felt like it was tragic and had emotional meat. I felt like we had a really good setup with the leads. And I really think we got to the meat of what some of that conflict was going to be around, you know, the move to heaven crew really quickly. So for a first episode, I'm going to say I thought it was a success in how it was plotted and how the characterizations were shown. And I am much more forgiving. I think I think I have found that I really like slice of life ensembles. So I think that if that's something that you connect with, that you might connect quicker into the drama than um, some of my uh, co-hosts here. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I, I would actually say I actually agree. I actually did love the first episode. It was more, I would say it was more around like episode like three to five that I started to get a little like, okay. Okay. Like, and mainly because it's just like really freaking sad. I mean, these the deaths were terrible. Like I feel terrible that all these people died and they died with things left unsaid. 
and again, I don't think that's a spoiler to say part part of the whole drama is there's these these deaths in each episode and the main leads kind of put puzzle pieces together and kind of deliver their last words in a way. Um and I guess I just started to like feel like sad and I think I needed I think I needed forward momentum more in like the middle of the drama, I guess I would say. Anyway, did the drama make you reconsider what kind of personal effects you hold on to? Do you maybe want to clear your browser history? Okay, so a fun fact about me is that whenever I leave the house for um, an extended period of time, and I'm using extended, like if I'm going to be gone, at least overnight, I always eye my home before leaving with the lens of what if I die in a freak unexpected accident? So I'm not sure if that's what everyone does. I always do. (laughs) And I think things like, (laughs) do I want my neighbors to have to come over and find my dirty underwear on the floor? Or my sink with like a ring of toothpaste around the plug or the carpet not vacuumed? And the answer is no. No, I do not. So I think, look, people are welcome to look look at my effed up browsing history because it's effed up. <laughs> you know, find my adult toys and legally illegal substances and feast your eyes. But are you going to see my <laughs> toilet unscrubbed? No, I really, that's like a nightmare for me. So. <laughs> Which is. I mean, I find this super interesting because you are not the type A one in the group, yet you have this sort of type A ness to you. Like, I want, I, I want to leave this this mortal plane with people <laughs> thinking that I had my shit together. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's all for others. <laughs> so what's funny is, is I like I one hundred percent sort of nest before I go on vacation. Like my kids and I went before school started. We took like just a two day staycation in the city. And I cleaned the entire house and I vacuumed and stuff. But it was all part was because my next door neighbor was coming over to feed my cats, my cats who I love very much and kiss on the mouth, as we talked about in our last episode. (laughs) And but it's also because when I get home, I also want to come home to order. And so I think part of it goes with like, I want my life in order, whether I'm here or I'm not. But the funny part is, so I, I do this nesting more for myself. But the part that you're talking about, like the browsing history and adult toys and stuff like that, I think about this at least once a week oh, and what I yeah. should get rid of so that my kids don't have to. But I haven't actually done it yet. You know, like I every time every time I think about every time I think about what they might find in a cabinet or a drawer or <laughs> or in, in like I, I used to journal, but I don't anymore. Like, what did I write to them about them? You know, like whatever. I, I'm terrified, but on the same token, I am not at a place in my life where I only have stuff in my house that sparks joy. So like I have a shit ton of stuff to go through. So right now, if it were to happen right now, you're going to be finding some stuff that I don't want you to find. <laughs> it's a man and- I mean, look, a ball gig might spark joy. <laughs> See, I <laughs> think that I don't, I, I, I don't know. I think I am way more concerned about others' mortality than my own, which I think is weird. Um, I think I should be like concerned about, you know, yeah, like that kind of thing. Like, what do I have left when, when I leave? But instead I'm like always obsessed with other people. Like, uh, like my husband, leave and i'm like what if that what if he gets in a car accident it's the last time i see him like what like I, th- I i like i think that all the time it's ludicrous so i think more along the lines of like other people and like what did they leave behind i don't know rather than my own which is i don't know i don't know why i think that so there's a book um 
that one of my friends got when we were out for like a girl's day before COVID <laughs> and she picked it up, but I thought it had the best title pretty much of any book I've ever seen. And it's called the gentle art of Swedish death cleaning. And what? it's a, like a nonfiction kind of like a Marie Kondo, but apparently like the idea is, is <sighs> I guess it's like a cultural norm in Sweden. Look, I'm, kind of talking at my ass but like this is what the book kind of promised is to you know as you get into like later stages of life to downsize your home of stuff with the idea that then it frees up your space so that you know after you die like your loved ones aren't waiting through like nine thousand copies of national geographic oh. or like whatever your kink was so that was my um, grandparents in life magazine. But they were trying to, oh my god like hundreds yeah, of life so they were trying to kind of say you could yeah a lot of life magazine is such a grandparent <laughs> magazine but yeah the idea is that like you could bring that you know so you know maybe instead of like sparking joy <laughs> you can also pick up a copy of the gentle art of swedish death cleaning to you know think about what do you want to keep in your home or not and what i think is funny is like my husband keeps totally like he's such a pack rat compared to me. And he at one point <laughs> had this thing where I found a box and in it, <laughs> like in it were cut up pieces of t-shirts from scientific conferences oh he's my been to where like the t-shirt had like worn out because basically all he wears is t-shirts from conferences or like environmental groups and they were important to him. So he was like, I'm going to cut like the logo from like the International World oh. Penguin Conference circa 2000 <laughs> and save it. And I was like, get the fuck <laughs> out with this. But you could get and it made like, into a quilt for him. Yeah. So this is what he was like. I could get it made into a quilt. I was like, get, oh, <laughs> this is like, who wants to cuddle with that? Like kissing my dog in the mouth here. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, pushed him a little further. And he's like, look when I'm old, I want to look at this stuff and it's going to bring me joy. And I'm like, yeah, but then you're going to die. And like, it's not going to bring any of our kids joy as they're trying to clean out your crap. And he's like, yeah, but I don't give a shit because I'm dead. So like, whatever. I mean, he has a point. So, I mean, fair, fair point. point. For, live for yourself. Like the trauma cleaner not guy his said. Problem, yeah. right? Not his problem. Not his problem. So like someday when Jara is just like, great, I'm so glad I have these like <laughs> logos from random scientific conferences from 2000 and so amazing. and then is there going to be like the guilt of like these don't mean shit to me but they meant something no. to my dad so like am i an a-hole if i toss them i hope i'm still alive in my wheelchair and kane being like just throw it away we never wanted it you leah will leah will light that bag of t-shirt oh cut clippings on fire i will give it a viking funeral like with an archer like put it out in the lake at a oh, raft and, like, light so a funny. Fire. i want to see leah with like a bow and yeah arrow. Lighting it at the lighting it at the at the t-shirt pyre. Oh man. I wish so Nick doesn't listen to this podcast and it's a pity because I feel like I give him like a healthy serving of shit. You do. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So now it's time for our favorite part of every episode, which is our K recommendation of the week. So this week I am recommending a song by TXT or Tomorrow X Together. Um, It just came out and it's called Loser Equals Lover. Um, I adore it. It has kind of a grungy rock vibe, which just feels really unique. 
um, to some of the recent offerings uh, in K-pop. The video is super fun, which with some pretty amazing acting, and it's just a really addicting song. They sing their hearts out. So anyway, uh, it's called Loser Equals Lover by TXT. And while we're at it, how about if we give you a reminder of all those places where you can talk to us and we promise we want you to talk and we will talk back as we were saying earlier in the pod. If you want to reach out to us on social media, we are on Instagram at Afternoon of Delight Podcast. You can also find us on Twitter and on TikTok with the same name, Afternoon of Delight Podcast. And if you want to email us about anything you've seen on the show or to talk about your favorites or something that you might want us to cover on a future episode, we love interacting with you and sharing the joy. And you can find us at Afternoon of Delight Podcast at gmail.com. And since we haven't plugged it in a while, we want to remind you that we've we've got Afternoon Delight podcast merch on Redbubble. So you go on to redbubble.com and search Afternoon a Pod, all one word together, and you can find all of our merch and put it on a pillow that says, maybe something like that says, my other pillow is Kim Soo Hyun's lips, and all sorts of fun and wacky stuff that we say on the show. And yeah, so looking, looking for some K-drama merchandise, that's redbubble.com. Afternoon a pod. And now we're going to move into the spoiler section. Um, so if you haven't seen the drama and you don't want to be spoiled, I hope we didn't spoil it already for you. But uh, now's the time to, to X out. And probably now is also the time that Leah is going to take us all to task. But that's okay. No, I'm not. I, this <laughs> I know, is, is going to be I'm Mr. Queen, the sequel. All right. <laughs> yeah, if you want to hear Leah really be mad. <laughs> yeah, I was actually that, mad that. for Mr. Queen. I'm not mad here. <laughs> Um, so any thoughts on Tang Jun Sang's portrayal of Han Guru, a 20-year-old man with Asperger's? Did you think the drama went beyond making him a token inspirational person with a disability? I think Guru's autism was a secret superpower that was really pivotal as opposed to making him tokenistic. So while some of these stories are very sad, all the dead to me have agency, albeit some more than others and some with how their death occurred. And some in how they were living their lives before they took the last train to Clarksville, so to speak. I love that. <laughs> but to <laughs> thank you. But to me, um, I think of the earlier suggestion that this could have had the after-school special vibe. So for me, I think that Guru's worldview being filtered through autism lets him not drift into schmaltzy sympathy or navel gazing. I feel like he approaches each new job without inflicting um, his own emotional baggage on the viewer and instead levels the dead with the very thing that they all deserve the most, which is just respect. And that allows us as the viewer then to have this opportunity ourselves to really engage on that emotional level with the deceased and their story and to be allowed to have a reaction that's unfiltered by the trauma cleaner. And I thought that was a very smart choice. I love that take on it. The fact that we get this sort of unfiltered view and not that, not the guru doesn't have emotions because that's not, you know, like people on the autism spectrum do experience emotions, but in a different way than we do. And he was able to separate his emotional reaction from it, um, his emotional reaction from 
basically, and I, and I guess this is like going back to what you're saying about, you know, like appreciating the vignettes for what they were is because he didn't have this like schmaltzy emotional reaction to it that we just got to see the view of these other people. Right. And like I said, I did like that, but I also liked it better when it started connecting. And I think that Guru is one of the big reasons why that did connect when he started making the connections about these people like his dad did you know, earlier in the drama, that's when it really started to kick in for me. I do not think at all that Tang Junsang's portrayal of Guru was at all tokenistic. It was very real to me, very nuanced. And I think that what shows that is the fact that I'm blown away by this performance. Like he had this fun ensemble part in Crash Landing on You and he was this sweet and adorable, just wanted to be good, you know, North Korean soldier boy and wanted to make his mother proud. But there was not a whole lot to do with that role. It was an ensemble part and it was fun and we, and I enjoyed him a lot. But then I saw him in Move to Heaven and it took me, I would say, almost the whole first episode to realize what I knew him from because he so got the nuances of Guru to the extent where I'm literally just watching this drama through Guru's eyes and like you said, Leah, seeing this trauma cleaning business from a perspective that I might not be able to find on my own. And so I think because of that, and I think that is, like I said, that is what truly made me connect to the drama was being able to see Guru's reaction and interpretation of what was going on with each of these families as he was, you know, called in to be their trauma cleaning service and how... I did not mind at all. There was no, there was no after school specialisticness <laughs> to me when he. I don't even know what you'd call it, but it wasn't very after school special to me when <laughs> he was able to impart these lessons on his uncle because it came from him differently than it would have come, like you said, from somebody who was a little bit more, you know, emotional about it. So I really, yeah, I really enjoyed his performance, and it felt very very real to me. And I think it's part of the reason why I loved the drama so much and connected to it was to be able to see all these vignettes through his eyes. And I do just to like add one more thing too, is I feel like everything you're saying is like a yes for me. And I feel like <sighs> I'm not sure if I made the point enough. So maybe I did. I'm just going to make it again though, if I need to, which is I really just appreciated the fact that we weren't told as viewers how we needed to feel about the different deaths. I felt like there was room to say like if you connected to one over another or I just never felt like the show was like trying to nudge us to be like this is one you really need to feel sad about and this one you can kind of like whatever about. I felt like they were all treated with like the same level of respect. And then we were allowed to kind of have our own emotional reaction based on like, you know, our own personal triggers and backgrounds and history as to like what stories got us on an emotional level. Maybe all of them got them for you. For me, I definitely was impacted by some more than others, but I feel like it was a really respectful um, thing for the viewer as well. Yeah. I think that's the key word is the, is this idea of respect because the way that Guru reacted to all of the deaths that was his main sort of MO is that he respected all of the deceased and anybody connected to the deceased, no matter what the situation was. There was no judgment from him on how somebody died or on how a family member treated that person. 
all he wanted to do was make the connection between this person who passed away and who might want to know about it and pay their respects to the dead. Because there were some people in some of the vignettes who other people would have just said, oh, you don't have any next of kin. Okay, I'm just going to toss all this stuff I found. But he always wanted to make that connection. And it was because of this idea of respect. And so that was carried through in every single episode. And I think that was a really good connection throughout. And again, why I ended up loving the drama. It was because of that perspective that he gave to us. Which client death and move to heaven hit you hardest in the feels? So for me, I cried so hard at the ER doc and the cellist. Uh, it was the fact that they died without expressing their truth to each other. It's funny because when I was reading the quote from the the real life trauma cleaner um, at the beginning of the pod, this one stuck out to me too because he he really said like live for yourself, um, and it really made me wish that I could have taken these two when they were you know when the ER doc was still alive and say just live for yourself and you know do what makes you happy. Um, so while I love that Guru gave the cellist some closure, I hated that they had they, they had happiness like ahead of them. They just didn't reach for it. It was like just out of reach. And the fact that they were or at least on the in the cellist's point of view, he was he was angry still. Um and he really I think there was regret there that he still held anger. Um so it just it just broke me. I mean, uh, I mean, so many of the other storylines hit me really hard too. Um, but this one, especially, and I think part of it was because to me this did echo a little bit uh, Sangu's journey because he uh, his his brother who is uh, Guru's father uh, he was still angry at him uh, and never had any sort of closure. Uh, while his brother was still alive um, he still thought his brother you know abandoned him he he never had any sort of closure in in in, in life and so I think that was also one of the reasons again I think as we said the 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 deaths that hit me the hardest were always the one that seemed to echo what was going on in the main character's lives and this was one of them i just i cried a lot and at the end when he's like playing the cello the song that he played when they met and then he like envisioned the er doc in the audience and uh, i mean i was really i cried really hard at that that was a really emotional one and that one got me big time too i mean i loved yeah. i i like hate loved that episode right because that was a really right. really i mean they're all heartbreaking but that one was super heartbreaking and and i again like i do think that's one of the ones that sort of started to really suck me into the drama because of the way that it paralleled what was going on in the frame story yes yes and and i love that that's and we're also romance writers and we want to see hea win and so when there's like this this very random fate intervening to robbing a couple of this HEA that we hope that they would have ultimately reached um, despite the problems they were having in their relationship. You're right. I think that's, that's it too. It was like that I was robbed of the HEA that I always want to read and write. And, uh, but it was still, uh, it was still a really lovely ending. I mean, yeah, like you said, Guru always found um, a way to be respectful of the dead and their loved ones. Okay, so do you feel the drama was trying to show that there is dignity in living a suffering life 
And does that resonate with you as a non-Korean? So I wrote this question because I really kept getting this feeling as I was watching the drama and I want to discuss it or see if anyone understands, I think, what I'm trying to say. Because uh, this is sort of hard for me to word, but I'm, I'm going to try. Um, and I get the sense sometimes and I, when I watch K-dramas, and especially in this drama, that suffering um, is seen as respected. Um, and it kind of harks me back to um, the episode where we talked about Han. Uh, remember when we read that quote, uh, or if Leah found that quote on Regina Kim's blog about um, Han, and she mentioned something that Koreans, she mentioned how Koreans know suffering. And I think that that's kind of what made me start thinking about this too. Um, so especially in the case of the the old couple who died, if any of you have seen uh, the drama and know which episode I'm talking about. So the man lived a really hard life. And I guess I felt, uh, and I'm not saying that the drama was trying to tell us something. I think it was just the perspective of it being a K-drama. Um, but it gave him less sympathy and actually more respect for what he lived through. And I'm not saying this in a negative or a positive light. It's just something that felt that feels wholly unique to me when I'm watching K-dramas. American media, to me, doesn't really seem to honor suffering. Uh, I don't think that we're really like a country of martyrs. Um, and I see a marked difference in how we seem, American, when I say we, I mean American media. I think American media, we want to show our heroes needing to overcome suffering rather than just enduring it. Um, whereas when K-dramas, I feel like they respect those who just endure their suffering. And I don't, I don't know. That's just a thought process I had while watching that. And I don't know if anyone feels the same way or thinks the same or gets the same impression. I, I like the way that you're explaining it now. Cause when, you know, you had brought it up in our Slack conversation, I wasn't quite sure what you were getting at. And also I've been like right. super scattered <laughs> this week, but I, I totally agree that we seem to have, while, while we do see like a big prevalence and I'm glad um, in, in Western media now about, you know, mental health and taking care of your mental health and stuff like that. I do think we still also have this sort of like suck it up buttercup kind of you know, attitude kind of thing. And, and we even joke around, like I'm, even when I'm telling you guys about my hard week, you know, this week in my head, I'm like, I'm not trying to have pain Olympics. I don't want them to think I'm like, you know, looking for sympathy. Right. Like, you know, like I feel guilty sharing my suffering, I guess, kind of thing. Whereas what we see in the Korean me and, and, I, and maybe that's just me putting it on me, or maybe it's our society that like, you know, that we're, everybody suffers. So we're not supposed to complain or something like that. But yeah, it's, in the way that we see it in like the Korean media, media, what we've seen so far is a lot of this sort of like suffering mm -hmm. in silence and this sort of, I don't know if it's like reverence for it kind of thing, but it's yeah, just reverence maybe is a better word than like dignity. I think you're right. And, it, and again, is, I, but it like is I said, because there is like a dignity to it, I guess, right. you know, like, like you were talking about the older couple and I was thinking about not just like, not just like, you know, the husband and wife situation, but him working in his little like maintenance booth without air conditioning yeah. and not complaining about it. And even, you know, when the tenant bought him the air conditioner and then his boss was like, no, you can't have it. And I have to pay for your electricity and whatever. And he's just like, oh, that's okay. That's okay. And you never see him complain about it. And that's just like, yeah. Right. That's what I'm saying. He, 
endures it. Uh, whereas I feel like when in Western media, we want to see people overcome it. And I feel like, and again, there, there's no yeah. good or bad. It's just a difference. It's a difference to me in how I see kind of personal struggles and yeah, and mental health viewed. Yeah. And like, so what I was, you know, when I was talking about the sort of like suck it up buttercup attitude, and I think that's something that like, that's what he's, that's what he's doing in that drama. But I also think like, I don't know, I, I feel like I'm not, I feel like I'm not explaining myself well enough, because I do agree with you. But I also think that, like I said, like, I had this sort of guilt of talking about my suffering, because I feel like, well, everybody does it kind of thing. And I think that we have that too here, which is like, everybody's going through something. So you know, we don't want to, we don't want to hear your story kind of thing. Or like you're saying, um, this idea of everybody's going through something you need to find, you need to find your way to like surmount it. So I don't know. I don't know. I feel like it's, I feel like it's different and I feel like it's very nuanced, but I also do feel like I kind of connect a little bit too, because again, maybe it's just my experience, but I don't, I don't feel comfortable talking about my own and I'm not gonna. I, I want to. I'm putting finger quotes around suffering because I, in the grand scheme of things, I live a very privileged life, and I am grateful for that. You know, but like we all have our shit, and I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we all have our struggles. So I'm gonna wade into like heavy stereotyping, and like forgive me for it in advance. <laughs> but I'm trying to like make some points, and I know that they're very, very cliche stereotypes, but I think they kind of like help. So like I do feel as if. And I noticed this even being like married to an Australian is that like the American vibe, if you will, like, sorry, I work with Gen Z a lot. (laughs) And you're, and you're also in California, but like, you know, there is something to like our toxic, yeah, happiness and this idea of optimism. And I think we very much have a little bit of like a toxic optimism yeah, as a culture, like we need to like, everything's going to be better. We're going to do better. Everything's going to be, you know, and I think it maybe it's like that luster is losing its, you know, it's losing its luster, but I think it's there. But something I've re- read a few times, and again, this is heavily stereotypical, but I think it's interesting, is I've seen a few different articles where people have talked about South Korea essentially as being the Ireland of Asia. Oh. And again, look, I am Irish by heritage i am so i can say that like you know if you look at my like heritage makeup i am mostly irish however i'm not going to like subscribe to like the suffering the very real suffering of the irish people because that is just not appropriate however i do think that there's like some good comparisons that we can kind of think about in terms of like two countries that have been colonized have been sometimes a force to speak like the oppressor's language and have made a bit of an art over drinking and suffering in some Mm. ways like if i'm looking at just like media and stereotypes like this is more nuanced obviously but for just kind of like some general broad sweeping like not all americans are optimistic obviously um not all irish like to drink but you know we're kind of talking about some like broad strokes and there are some connections to make that i think are kind of interesting parallels and i do think that the irish have like made beauty out of some of their suffering like through art and through literature through poetry certainly and i think that we can see some parallels between kind of that and looking at South Korea as well. Like when people are forced into situations that 
that are so oppressive and that are really ugly and confrontational um, and are being like occupied that you can see that there's like this like pressure cooker. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I feel uncomfortable even speaking to some of it because like, I don't have direct experiences, but I can see how there are, there is, in a, I hate to even say that there's a beauty in it. Sometimes things are beautiful that are hard and ugly. I don't think that that's like me trying to say like suffering is noble or like dismiss anything. So, I mean, I have, you know, had my obligatory drink for the night and I'm trying to be <laughs> like, I, I actually think you made a lot of sense. Uh, I, I, I understand what you're saying. And I've never, I never heard that South Korea, I've never heard that comparison, the Irish of, um, of Asia. Now that you say that, I'm seeing uh, parallels. I mean, I, this is a little bit of a tangent, but I did just go on a four day vacation with my family to a um, coal mining town, a former coal mining town in Pennsylvania, which was obviously heavily Irish at one time because a lot of the Irish worked in the coal mines. And so there was a lot of history and how the Irish were discriminated against in this town. It was called, it's called Jim Thorpe if anyone is familiar with Pennsylvania. Um, but anyway, it was very fascinating. Uh, we, you know, we toured an old jail where a bunch of um, Irish men were clearly uh, framed and hanged for murder. And uh, so, yeah, so I, I, I see where you're coming from. And that is I, I, in line, I guess, with my thoughts. And again, I, I and I'm not, I don't want to put judgment on anything because I don't think either is, good or bad i'm trying to be neutral about it in a way that i just found that it was different and as i was watching this drama it struck me over and over again uh yeah that there was this reverence to the people who have endured suffering and that just doesn't i don't get that in, a, in american media and or western media and i kind of liked the different perspective so thank you move to heaven <laughs> well we are a country of how are you or how's it going? And you're meant to automatically say it's okay. Because if mm -hmm. you didn't say that, then we'd be like, what the fuck's wrong with you? We didn't really want to know. We didn't really right. want to know. Yeah. Please, please do not tell me. Just say good and let me walk on. Yeah. <laughs> um, so thank you for listening to us, by the way. Uh, sort out those thoughts. I appreciate that. I know we kind of did it on air. And, and if you have any thoughts on it, we, we'd love to hear it. And I don't know if you pick up on this nuance at all, but I would love to know if you do. Yeah, that was definitely like, just so y'all know, we do write a script, but we don't respond in totally scripted answers. And this is just us externally processing and trying to figure it all out. It's always fun. That was kind of fun, yeah, wasn't I it? Like it? Kind of fun going through that. Yeah. So is there any storyline in the drama that you wished had been expanded on or fleshed out? I kind of already brought this up, but honestly, I did want more of the main leads. And I think we got to know them through the trauma cleaning business, which was great and taught us a lot. But first, I need me some more of my Ajusi Han Jung-woo, Guru's dad, slash mm -hmm. Sangu's brother, played by the gorgeous Ji Jin-hee. And it's not just because I'm thrilled to have a good-looking male lead in a drama who is actually older than me. That is a major bonus, though. But also because while we know he was a fabulous father to Guru and tried to be the best brother to Sangu, we only got their stories in flashbacks. And I think there is a whole other drama there just examining those relationships. And I don't mean that we have to go all the way back to like when Guru was adopted and stuff like that. But the, you know, the later parts of the year, just to see, I mean, we, the later years, I would say, um, just to see that father-son relationship because we really only got a glimpse of it. And the same with, you know, with Sangu. 
we do know that Jong-gu tried to get back in touch and reconnect with Sangu as an adult, but we don't really know why that never happened and, and why, you know, they were never able to do that. We just saw that one scene where he saw, you know, Sangu at the fight and then that was it. Um, plus, there was some, you know, sparks of romance brewing it with both Sangu and Guru in this drama, and I'd like to see that brought to fruition. Yeah, definitely. Same. So this hasn't been announced as having a second um, season, but I'd be shocked, honestly, if it doesn't get it. I feel like the ending, while not a cliffhanger, definitely opens up new doors in those final few moments. And I feel like it's got that just kind of like neat little 10 episode vibe that begs to be replicated. So fingers crossed. Netflix, come on, dude. Right. And I think it was fairly popular like i felt like a lot of people watched it and they really loved it and i do think that there is so much more to explore and the fact that there's the fact that how they set up the first drama with again those like vignettes each episode i thought it really opened itself up to multiple seasons uh so yeah i would love i need more sangu personally that's just it so um, we were talking about a book rec for this, and I don't have a romance book rec for this, but I had a, a really great nonfiction book rec that I thought was one of my favorite reads um, two years ago, which is the year that I read it. And it is called Smoke Gets in Your Eyes and Other Lessons from the Crematory. And it's by Caitlin Doty. And Entertainment Weekly calls it morbid and illuminating. So I'm going to read the blurb. I read the blurb and it sold me um, and see what you think. So armed with a degree in medieval history and a flair for the macabre, Caitlin Doty took a job at a crematory and turned morbid curiosity into her life's work. She cared for bodies of every color, shape and affliction and became an intrepid explorer in the world of the dead. In this best-selling memoir, brimming, brimming with gallows humor and vivid characters, she marvels at the gruesome history of undertaking and relates her unique coming-of-age story with bold curiosity and mordant wit. By turns hilarious, dark, and uplifting, smoke gets in your eyes, reveals how the fear of dying warps our society, and will make you reconsider how our culture treats the dead. So I love this book. I listened to the audio version um, the the um, author also, I believe, has it's either a podcast or a YouTube channel called The Good Death. So I didn't like stay with the content afterwards, but I felt like it was a really eye opening stage into like I know for you know a vast majority of women now who give birth in kind of you know looking to have like more of an intentional birthing process. Like often people will bring in like a doula or a birth coach to help them. And Caitlin Doty, I felt like in her book really kind of almost makes this argument for like having like a death doula and like this idea of like end of life in our country, how we reconcile it, what actually goes on in like a crematorium. And I just thought it was a really, it didn't feel gruesome or scary. It felt very demystifying to me. And it made me think a lot about like what will happen to like my body, loved one's bodies in a way that didn't feel scary or confrontational like there is gallows humor and it was actually just fascinating because another thing that happens is death is so sanitized in our country like it wasn't long ago that you know you die at home your 
loved ones care for your body, you have some sort of a wake or, you know, sashiva or whatever you do to like honor your dead at home. And then, you know, they even might even dig your grave. I mean, this is not that long in our past that that was the reality. And at this point, it's like dying is a heavily managed experience where we might be looking at people after they've been embalmed and made up even um, like that was a norm for me growing up. And so I just felt like this was a really, it was a really poignant book. It was a really funny book. And um, I can't say enough. I really loved it. So it's called smoke gets in your eyes and other lessons from the crematory by Caitlin Doty. I'm like sold. And did, so you like the audiobook? Yeah. And I loved it. Okay. It, it she she doesn't narrate it does she or, do, or does someone else narrate um i believe she does i'm okay. gonna check and see but i'm um yes she's the narrator oh, and she's great that sounds so good i don't usually read nonfiction books about this stuff but it was for my book club do you ever read stiff by mary roach no but i have it and i've been saving it for like the right mood the curious life of human cadavers yeah, i've got it sitting on my bookshelf for my free little library it's really good it's really good and it's more i mean it it, it gets it, a lot of it is about like the science of like how cadavers are used and stuff like that. But there's also the cultural part of it, like about, about like different types of burials and stuff and more um, environmentally sound type of burials that we're not really allowed to do, you know, in the U S as much as they do overseas and stuff like that. And it was, it was, it was fascinating. So, okay, here's a question. I know we're kind of like at time, but I am honestly curious. I think it's fascinating how what is your debt like if you could pick like what your funeral type looks like like how do you want to be sent off into the great beyond i don't i don't i want it to be i want it to be like zero fanfare and zero cost but like what do you want to happen to your body i guess okay so let's reduct it down to what do you want done with your body when you die okay i do not um I do not want to waste space in the earth. I don't want, like, honestly, like that was one of the things when I was reading Stiff that there are more, there are these more sort of like compost, compostable ways to like dispose of a body. Um, But we don't, it's not really sanctioned in the U S right. It's not really legal to do. I think there's like certain places that you can. California might be a place that has stuff like that. Cause I actually did use that in a book, um, an environmental burial. And I had to look up where you could do it, but it's few and far between places that you can, but I don't like, here's the thing. I don't think I, and this is getting a little bit philosophical into it. I do not want any part of my death to be any sort of burden on those who have to deal with it afterwards. The grief is enough, right? And like, I'm fantastic. People are going to grieve the shit out of me, but like, <laughs> true. true. But like, I don't want, I don't want like financial strain to be added to the grief. I don't, I don't want, uh, worrying about, worrying about what to do with me to add to the grief. So I do think that we need to streamline something like death shouldn't be, I get it. I get that it is a business for some people, but I don't want my death to be part of the business. I want it to be something that is easy to deal with in every way other than, you know, the emotional way, because obviously that's the hardest part of it. So yeah, I don't know exactly. I don't, I don't want a coffin. I don't want a traditional burial, but there's, it's like a toss up of what is worse for the environment, putting you in the ground or putting you in a air cremating, like neither of them are good. You know, it's like, are you going to pollute the air or pollute the earth? <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, I definitely, I want to be either cremated or my body donated to science. Like I don't. So that's what's really cool about two. stiff is they, they show you what happens with bodies. I mean, you could be a crash test. Yeah. You, you could literally become a crash test dummy. If you donate your body to science, you don't know how it's going to be used. And you could be a crash test dummy, which I think is fascinating. Go ahead. I don't care what you do <laughs> with it after I'm, I'm done with it. Like, I don't care. Um, and I actually do want my loved ones to like have a party. Like, I don't want them to have a wake. I want them to get a keg <laughs> and some like barbecue <laughs> and eat and drink and just tell stories. Like, that's all I want. I just want people to be happy. Like, I mean, I lived a pretty good life even up to this point. So like, just let me, let me go. And yeah. I mean, I, just speaking of bodies for science, I just need to point out that there is a show on Amazon Prime called Lore. I don't know if anyone has seen it, but it is so good. It's based off a podcast. Uh, but in the one episode, it's all about, I mean, it's, it's all based on, you know, real life things. It's like how things that lore has started. Okay. But in one, they uh, they basically talk about grave robbers and it's fascinating uh how they would rob graves and they had to do it when the body was extremely fresh uh and they would get money uh from the you know the medical examiners at the time and they would get so much money that they started killing people in order and not waiting for the dead bodies but they would start murdering people so they could take the and the and the medical examiner started being like but why does this person look like uh you know its head has been bashed in and they're like oh it's fine it's fine anyway that's just if anyone checks out lore on amazon prime i highly recommend it because that was really interesting um, yeah, I think it's interesting. My mom has already said she wants to be cremated and put in a Clorox bleach bottle, which just feels on point for her and her love of cleaning. My sister wants to <laughs> donate her body to science and be like left out in the because she loves true crime. And so this is a conversation I have with people. So I'm always fascinated. So she wants to be like, you know, taken out in the desert and like have like the maggots counted to be like, you know, how long has she been out for like solving murder cases or something? Amazing. <laughs> So she's going to, she wants to donate it to like yeah, she would yeah, love that. that's great. She's like, throw me out a plane and shit like that. Right. So I'm not a hundred percent sure. Like I had always kind of just assumed I wanted to be cremated and then like had my ashes scattered somewhere pretty. I am now thinking more of the carbon footprint that that might be and like less attracted to that. Something I found out living by the ocean is that you can do barrels at sea right. where you can go a mile off coast and, you know, be committed to the deep and so i did tell that to a friend like you know that that doesn't sound like the worst to me is like you know throw me in like the trench in the middle of monterey bay that i live off of let me go down into like the whale boneyard and like let the sea stars eat me and he was like you know you don't really like surf or anything it's kind of odd that like you're like commit me to the yieldy salt seas but you know i don't know i'm like I think I kind of would like a little bit of a fanfare, though. Like, send me off on, like, a Vic like a platform, light me on fire, like, three miles off the coast. With Nick's t-shirts. With Nick's with t-shirts. t-shirts. Burn me. No, God, don't burn me with the fucking t-shirt. <laughs> and let me, you know. And I've always told Nick, like, if I die before him, like, I saw that you can, like, also, like, reduce a body down to, like, some sort of a, like, a diamond type entity and then i was like propose to your next person with me and then i'm always there watching you Amazing. so i don't know i'd kind of like to have a little bit of a spectacle because why the fuck not but right. 
at the end of the day, whatever. Just don't like stick me in a funeral home pump full of formaldehyde oh. with some lipstick on so everyone can say how natural the I look. Worst. No, and no, I no. I have I I don't know why I told my mom because I I mean I I I doubt I'd die before my mother, but still I was like, if you put me in a freaking coffin with bad makeup on, I swear to God. I'm going to come back and haunt you. Like, don't ever do that to me. Uh, you know, I don't just toss me in a fire somewhere. I mean, I don't know. Whatever's good for the environment. I just don't and care. Can, just bring Megan out, toss her in. Have like a dust to dust. I don't care. So, yeah, I mean, I, I need to look into more of the donate body to science because I, I would much rather do that. That'd be amazing if they use my body to determine how long maggots how long the body's been there dead with go. maggots and stuff. That's <laughs> so a, you, like, maybe there's like a Google form where you can like put a special request or something. You know, like, like, I really, Google. really want to be in like the Vegas def- desert. <laughs> I really want the maggots. A Google. I want it to be a Google form. I want it to be like very business. Like, <laughs> or like, who can I cryogenic email? my head? And yeah. like, you know, someday I'll come back and be like WTF. It's the year 5,000. Mm-hmm. And now I'm a slave to the robot. Totally. Who brought me back to life. <laughs> so yeah tbd (laughs) so what are we all watching so i already said in the beginning that i'm watching midnight runners and i'm gonna go finish it as soon as we're done with the pod and it's gonna leave me my happy place so i'm now as of tomorrow we'll be two weeks behind in hospital playlist and as i guess for right now i'm i'm not abandoning but putting on hold zombie detective because i have too much else to catch up on but um but midnight runners has been a very welcome re-entrance into K-drama land, even though it's not a drama, it's a movie. Yeah. So good though. So I'm still watching into the ring. I think I'm on episode 12 now. Um, so I've like powered through that in the last week and damn, I just love it. And I actually, um, I told Megan, I feel like this is a good comp to move to heaven, even though they're incredibly different stories that have really nothing at face value the same. To me, there's just like something with they feel like just both really good. In, like if you were going to like make a correlation to good indie movies in the U.S., I feel like both of them have like similar vibes and that I think that they are a little bit less mainstream feeling and um, and just have like, yeah, like a quirkiness to them. That's not cheesy. I agree. In- Into the Ring definitely has a total indie vibe. And we'll be doing a pod on that in a couple of weeks or a month. And I really think it's a hidden gem. So I'm really pleased that Leah uh, was into it. Um, And so I had to put my roommate Izagumio on hold to watch Move to Heaven. So I finished Move to Heaven and now I'm back on my roommate Izagumio. I'm on like episode nine, I think right now. And I will say like it was I, I was I was really enjoying it. Uh, it was just definitely like a slow burn and then it really the conflict really began to pick up um, and I got super even I just got really really invested now like around episode seven um, I was just watching it right before we recorded I'm going to watch it right when we're done because uh, I can't stop thinking about it I'm really really loving it so much the hero is like incredibly dreamy seriously all right well what are we doing next week Next week, we're doing Midnight Runners. 
<laughs> awesome. I cannot wait. I'm going to watch it again because I saw it a couple of months ago and it's short and I really... It is. I love it. I love Kong Ha Newell always and Park Seo Joon is delightful in this. They're just so great together. They really are. I'm going to watch it this weekend. I'm excited. Yay. Well, thank you everyone for listening to us as we went off on several tangents in this pod. We were feeling introspective today. I know. I guess I'm a little morbid. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) That too. (laughs) On that note. Annyeong. Annyeong. Kamsamnida. Thank you for listening to Afternoon of Delight. Make sure to subscribe for more great K-Romance conversation. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Afternoon of Delight Podcast for more information on our podcast, behind-the-scenes photos, and, of course, pics of our favorite opas and unis. Annyeong! Annyeong!